junctures from Liverpool, England. People all over the world are just beginning to talk about the Beatles. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. One, two, three. Hello, my name's Paul McCartney. This is Ringo Starr. This is John Lennon. I'm George Harrison. Hello and welcome back to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the incredibly talented Bill Wirtz. Bill Wirtz is a genius songwriter, musician, video producer, and internet personality. You may know Bill from his iconic songs that are loved by millions of people around the world, or from his viral animated YouTube video, History of the Entire World, I Guess, that now has over 150 million views. Today, we're going to be talking about Bill's music and his creative process when it comes to songwriting. We'll also be discussing one of Bill's biggest musical influences, the Beatles, and in particular, the incredible talent of Paul McCartney. Plus, we'll be talking about the recently released Get Back docuseries and getting Bill's thoughts on this amazing behind-the-scenes look at the Beatles. So, let's jump right in and welcome Bill Wirtz. Hey, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an honor to have you. How are you doing today? I'm cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, yeah, it's going well so far, I think. So Bill, I have so many questions I'd love to ask you about your music and your art and how the Beatles have influenced you. So I'd love to start at the beginning, if we can. Do you remember how you first heard the Beatles? Yeah. Well, there was, there's this rumor, you know, that goes around about how they're like really good and, uh, how, how they were really, 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 really popular and also really good. So I don't remember where I first heard that rumor. It was sort of in general, everyone always kind of seems to, to, to be aware of that. I think at one point, one of my friends sort of commented, just sort of said like, you know, no one, no one seems to dislike the Beatles. It's like, you know, they're they're the one thing that everyone seems to like. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I didn't even get a chance. I never really got a chance to get into it until a little bit later. But yeah, there's definitely a persistent rumor always that they are the most famous thing in the world and also uh, really, really good, which is, you know, hopefully, ideally, that should always be the way it is. But yeah, they they tend to stand out. Uh, You know, I think most people generally tend to say that. So that's what I always was hearing about about them, which of course is uh, very intriguing, of course. The Venn diagram of popular and good, they're like usually the shining example of where that comes together in the right way. Oh, definitely. And do you remember your thoughts when you first heard their music? Well, I'm sure there were certain ones that I had already heard that I don't, you know, like I'd always known, you know, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a while before I actually really got, got into some of finally really got into it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Certain ones. Yeah. I think, Hey Jude might, might've been one that I knew from, from, from ages ago, you know. Hey Bill, this completely slipped my mind and I'll edit this out of the podcast, but do you happen to be recording your vocals on your end? I, I, I could, it's, 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 it's not, I don't think it's going to be that good. What's, how does, is it really a nightmare right now? Do I sound like a nightmare right now? No, no, not too bad. But um, just usually the quality sounds better in post-production if you were to do it on your end. I agree. I am running the fan in the background on purpose because I kind of don't want it to be that good. Although I know that Zoom is occluding the fan. I've, I've never heard directly what I sound like. But from, from, from I've, I've gathered that actually it's, 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 not, it's not a total nightmare. I just, yeah, I, I don't want it to be that good because I don't want it to, I don't want to be under a lot of pressure. Oh, that's fine. I, yeah. I actually wish I wish it could be an in-person interview. That's what I wish. And that's what's been holding me back from doing a lot of these shows and interviews because I just have been waiting for the chance to really get into in-person interviews because I really think online uh, uh, interviews are like a total nightmare. Mm. Just because of the, the delay alone, 
it's like an extra half second or three quarters of a second between what I say and when you hear it. Yeah. That really puts a damper on the conversational flow, but everyone's used to that because everyone communicates this way, but it's a real huge difference if you're actually in the room, but you know, time goes by and you got to live your life and you can't let that stop you. So I think just, you know, I think just whatever, just go with, go with this, I think. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think you should cut this out either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I really don't. Yeah. I will keep this in. Absolutely. That sounds great. I like that. All right. Um, so when you listen to the Beatles, how does their music compare to contemporary music? So it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's a slam dunk for the most part. I mean, you know, they did good. Can't deny mm-hmm. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In general, you know, it's, I actually, what I like to do a lot is I just sort of pick a year uh, between, I don't know, 1900 and the present. And I just go to the top, top charts of, for the year. And I just listen through. And uh, it's, it's a delight because you usually find a lot of great stuff. And honestly, I've been doing that so much that it, 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 I almost can't tell the difference between listening to the 1930s or the 2010s. Like it, it really all feels the same to me. I mean, there will be different aesthetic qualities, but I certainly don't you'll never catch me saying like, Oh, music is worse now than it was then. It's like, I don't see it that way at all. So, um, but yeah, Beatles is definitely a slam dunk for sure. And you know, there's like screenshots. Well, it's not really a screenshot, but there's photographs of the top five, you know, for, for the week, uh, top five billboard songs at a certain moment in like, I think February, 1964, all five of them are Beatles songs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if that doesn't, I don't know, maybe I'm different than most people, but that puts me into a jealous rage <laughs> thinking like, Oh my God, if that's, if that's possible, when, when, when can I have that? Um, I'm sure a lot of people have had that thought before, but you know, it's just, it's just madness. They, they, they did good. They did good. You know, I feel that exact same way when I listen to the Beatles. Like when I hear a good Paul McCartney chorus, I'm like, oh my God, oh, I wish yeah, I could yeah. do that. I wish I could write that. Yeah. Like, I don't really know why I get jealous when I hear that, but like you said, it happens. Yeah, it's pretty special. So how did you become interested in writing your own songs? Oh, it's, oh my God. It's just, it's just what you want to do. It's just what you got to do, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just what you got to do. It's just a, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't really, I don't know. It's like, how did you get into eating chocolate? If you've ever, if, I mean, if you, if you, if you like chocolate, if you've had, if you've tasted it, then it's like, yeah, right. Of course you want to do that. It's probably a terrible, uh, actually a terrible analogy. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. It's just obvious to me that it's just, it's just where you want to be and what you want to be doing. And your songs in particular have been popular for pretty much the entire social media age, from Vine all the way up to TikTok. And your work has gone viral so many times. How do you think going viral today is different than, like you mentioned earlier, the Beatles going viral with five hits at the top of the chart at the same time? I don't really like to think of it as being any different. You know, I I actually don't really see the difference i mean there's like yeah there's 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 certain details about it are different but ultimately it's 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 the same story i mean uh yeah i don't know i I don't really see it as as being different there's a lot of about the mechanics of it that are that are different obviously you know if you're doing it now you're going to want to be on the internet uh and if you were doing it then you're going to have to be on a stage and you're going to be in a recording studio and if you make an album, you're going to actually play all your instruments at the same time and do it in one take. And you're going to like get the whole album done within 12 hours. Yeah. I'm really yeah. actually in a weird way. I'm jealous of that because now, and it's weird because I could do that. Any of us could just say, okay, there's a rule, you know, make a new rule that just whatever you can play in, in real time, that's the song. Cause you know, you go back to the past and that's what you had to do but it's no one ever seems to be able to hold themselves themselves to that restriction because we have the tools that we have. So you want to go in and do a million things and load up a million instruments and do a million takes and tracks and this and that. So it's like, yeah, I get so, I get so, so jealous when, when I find out that like those early records were recorded in, in, uh, in just like one session. Mm. Yeah. The rules are so different back then. 
And how popular do you think they'd be if they started out today? Well, everything's different. So things would be different. They wouldn't be, you know, wearing suits on a stage. They wouldn't be doing it quite the way they are doing it. They might not even be working together because the way that it is today, it, it feels like a lot of people are, are, are better off just, just, you know, going it alone because we're all so isolated and because I don't know. Actually, no, maybe it's just me who's isolated. But, it, but it, yeah, it, things are different in different time periods. So, it, you know, everything's different. But I mean, those guys would have find would have would have found their way for sure. I mean, those are those are pretty special guys. And if they met each other in school like they did, uh, they would have, yeah, they would have really had something special going on, and they would have they would have made it work. You know. To bring our conversation back to songwriting, what's the most important aspect of songwriting to you? Let me see. Um, it's a really good place to sort of play with sort of like it's almost like one of the things i feel like is sort of but what i see is like sort of like a golden rule of just about every kind of creative thing that people do uh it's about playing with two two ingredients the two ingredients are staying the same and changing so to play with those ingredients another way to say i always i say this all the time but making patterns and breaking them Make a pattern, break it. That's the game. That's pretty much, from what I can tell, that seems to be like the real holy grail about, it seems like just about everything creative that you might want to do. It seems like that's the magic thing that you want to be doing. And and songwriting is like a super fun place to explore that. Mm. Super fun place to explore that. And which aspect do you find the most challenging? Is it breaking that pattern? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's the fun part. I think, um, well, here's the thing. Music is weird. It's kind of like, um, it's, it's really this, like this sort of like magical, like sort of unattainable thing until it wants to land on, land on you. It's, it's one of these things like, you know, you can't, the more you try, the harder you try, the less it's going to work. It's, it's, it's one of those things like, like, again, like most things or most creative things, it's like, you never seem to get it when you really, really try really hard. So that can be really frustrating, especially if you want it really, really bad. Cause if you want it really, really bad, obviously you're going <laughs> to, you're going to try, you're going to find yourself trying pretty hard and then you're not going to get it. But then, you know, if you can relax enough to like, you know, let go of it a little bit, then it, that's when it will come to you. And sometimes stuff comes to you in a dream, which is crazy. And you got to scramble to catch it. But, but it's, it's really like, it's, it's really mischievous like that. It's a really mischievous sort of angelic force that, that really, it, it's like, it wants to be appreciated. Like it wants to blow your mind. It wants to come to you. So if you're trying to force it to come to you, it, it never will. You have to let it come to you. And, you know, and, and it seems like most songwriters know this. Like, the, we all know about that time when the song just comes so fast. Some of the best songs, they just are pretty much written in real time, almost. Like, they're just written so fast and effortless. And other times, you know, you got to, you just got to, I don't know, you got to just wait, wait in the trenches. And it never seems to come. But eventually it does. It, it doesn't mean that those songs are going to be worse. It just means you want it so bad and you're trying so hard and it's just not working. And eventually you can settle down enough that I don't know. I don't know how you get out of that, but eventually you do. But uh, but yeah, that, that can be that can be frustrating. And when you're writing your songs, are you ever actively inspired by the Beatles? Because I know that your song Here Comes the Sun actually shares a title with the Beatles song. So I was curious to see if there was any inspiration or correlation of that. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I don't know that, that, that one was started so long ago. That was, I was like on a subway train, like with a pad of paper. And I was just, this was so many years ago. I mean, I was really trying to, I hadn't actually, had not really gotten it together that much as a songwriter. Is that true? No, I actually did write a lot of stuff before then, but I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I mean, I suppose I was aware that that's a Beatles song. I was also, I was also aware that, you know, that's, uh, 
legal to use to, to, to use titles as long as it's not like too distinctive, which, you know, I hope that is, is, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I came up with just, you know, the title line and a few more things. I think some of the verses too, but, but that, that, that song has been sort of picked around for so long. My, you know, my, my song, it was, it was, yeah, it, it, that's one of the ones that was sort of on the shelf for a long time. And I came back to it and worked on it. It's sort of been through so many different things over the years and it kind of ended up being sort of one of the most important ones on the list for a long time. And I just, so it, I couldn't not do it. So I had to do it. I kind of regret, I do regret sort of that it, that it has that title, but you know, it, it just sort of worked its way up to like sort of the, the, the best thing in the list in a way for many, many years. And it was kind of untouchable in that way. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to go near it cause I didn't, I didn't want to screw it up. But then there was, I had to do some, some system updates and stuff. And it was a long time in between producing stuff so when i eventually got back to it i just did, i don't know that one stood out as like the right one to do so i wasn't going to not do it but i was a bit self-conscious about the title so when working on songs like that that you've had for a while how do you balance working on that song and letting the creativity come to you you know let's see um i don't know i have this well i mean it's it's so weird because it, it's really weird because when, when things are working well it's just it's it's so easy you know and when like but if you want it really really bad it tends to to just get stuck but you know i have some tricks you know i mean one thing i always do is i i, I sort of touch the touch the door that's sort of my trick to sort of reset i'll start the click if i know that if i have the, if i know the tempo already which i should and i have a certain amount of it I do like I do the the run throughs like I walk over to the door and touch the the door handle and come back so that sort of resets uh, and then I start just playing through it uh, you know playing through as much as I have just in order at tempo it's important to stay at tempo because if you don't have the tempo locked in when you're writing you tend to drift a little bit faster and then you get like a tempo crisis as it goes through what am I saying um, yeah. You, you just, you do a timed run through or you just do a run through, you know, at tempo and then right at the moment where you get to the end of what you have, that's where you have to just listen really carefully and just, you know, wait for whatever, whatever strikes. And it's sometimes, sometimes it's not much. Sometimes it's like, you know, you really don't know, but then you just sort of kind of, you try to just rule things in and rule things out. You just try to take try to gather as much as you can from that sort of momentary moment when you reach the end of what you have. I feel like this is going extremely technical. Um, ah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting though. Like just having a creative mind myself, I like to explore because a lot of the time with creative projects, I feel like it's hard to describe the actual process and the struggle that comes along with that. Yeah, And it's, it's hard to verbalize everything that's going on because a lot of the time it just it just feels like it doesn't make sense like it just happens so i, I really think it's fascinating to have these conversations and everything you're saying definitely resonates with me too like your reset process sometimes i feel like you do just have to walk away and come back of course yeah and the longer you walk away from it the more likely you are to come back and see it clearly which is unfortunate because who has time to waste you know you want to get it done quick so, you know, but when you're, when you're in it and there, I mean, yeah, you have to do that run through from the beginning. Cause if you get stuck right at the part of the song that you most recently have, like if, if you get stuck at the, you know, at the end of what you have and you keep trying to find your way to the next section, you're going to lose perspective about how it actually sounds in the full run through. So you have to always do the, do the run through and the run throughs are always much, much higher in quality, uh, the longer you've been away from it. So if, if you're drilling it into it and trying to figure it out and then you, you know, go to lunch or something and then come back, it's definitely going to be more likely to give you the right answer when, you know, when you come back. But like I said, who has time to waste? So it's annoying because like the more time you spend away, the more clearly you'll see it, but yeah. you don't always have time to like just keep taking long breaks on time. Yeah, I know. Like, especially if you're on a schedule for releases because I know when the Beatles were recording, yeah. they were on a really tight schedule to put out a new album yeah. like every few months. And you know, sometimes I feel like they would have benefited from 
a little more studio time with each recording session, which would have gave them like another chance for their new ideas to really ferment and come into their creative process. So do you find that sometimes? Do you have a schedule for yourself? I, I, I sort of go back and forth. I mean, you know, I, I sort of, having too much time is a massive curse. It's a massive curse. I mean, it's a death nail, really, for me. It, it certainly can be. Um, so, you know, I spend a lot of the time, you know, like over the years, like you know, there, there's always a time where I just go into panic mode because I'm suffering too much from my own, uh, whatever happens when you have too much time, you know, like just drowning in whatever my own obsessiveness or whatever it is. So there's always, uh, eventually I will absolutely just hit rock bottom and just snap and just demand an absolutely rigid breakneck schedule. And, uh, it only works a few times every, I mean, it only works. I don't know. That kind of thing only works once every couple of years. Cause, uh, it, it's, but, and, and that's good too. It's really, it, it's really powerful to have a very limited amount of time, but it can mm-hmm. be really painful. I've, I've never really solved that, that problem. I go back and forth between very rigid and absolutely nothing at all. And there's a lot of, there's sort of a lot of pain both ways, honestly. And I've never really found an answer. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just something that's like, I, I guess the back and forth is just something that's necessary to the creative process. Um, might be, yeah. Now, when it comes to Beatles songs, having inspiration on you, are there any songs that have been your favorite or have stuck out to you the most? You know, there's, there's a lot. I, I, I always have trouble mentioning specific ones cause I don't want, I don't want it to be sort of, I don't know. I, I, I sort of have trouble mentioning individual ones. I can tell you that there's significantly more Paul McCartney solo songs that have made it into my, you know, lists, you know, definitely Paul McCartney as an individual has been like a massive percentage of my listening collections over the years. A few Beatles songs are in there, mostly Paul songs, but a few Beatles songs would make it in there, but it's vastly more Paul songs. And some, some, some individual John songs I think might be in there. And which Paul songs are the most important to you? Do you have any to name? I actually went ahead and tried to make the most comprehensive list that I could. I, I, I'm a bit shy about singling out any particular ones because it's kind of a, it's a very sensitive thing to name to name songs because you never know what I, I never know what I may be hearing in some songs and other people may hear it a different way and you know maybe I'm hearing only a certain part of it maybe I'm only hearing a certain aspect of it or whatever so it's very uh, it's tricky. I do think I, I do. I, I have, I have the list right in front of me, but I just, I, I'm assuming that a lot of these will come out if we keep talking about it, but I, 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 I approaching it like a, what's your favorite, that method will never work for like mm-hmm. getting me to, getting me to say anything I found. It's just to, maybe I'm, maybe I have a mental problem or something, but it's just, it's just not, it, just no, it makes never sense. Works. Cause the whole point of songs is to change and to be different from whatever you're, you know? So if like you, if you had a favorite, then, Next week, it it won't be your favorite because it was your favorite before, and then a new one will be your favorite. Mm, yeah. What can you do? So how has Paul McCartney influenced you and your songs? Well, the thing about Paul, and he's not the only person to ever do this, but he really is sort of, he really seems heroic in the sense of couple of things i mean just the, the the dedication i mean he's he's into songwriting like it's his religion like it's really like the holy thing to do in life and you really get the sense that he's going to do it forever actually what i mean by that is if you go back in time 40 years you would say that you would say you really get the sense that this guy is going to do it forever so fast forward to now i mean he has done it forever i mean but he's he's still going to keep doing it but um so that's that's good to know um I think there was a story about, I think one of those first times he went up to Scotland, like after the Beatles broke up, I think he mentioned, he, I think this is true. I think he forgot to bring a guitar or he just didn't think to bring a guitar. And I think he regretted it because he was thinking like, if he doesn't keep doing the songwriting, he's afraid he might lose it. So I think after that, he, he remembered to like always make sure to stay in the game. And the other thing that really stands out to me, you know, it's, it's, he's a really good sort of hero to have in terms of 
what you can get from writing before you produce. And I mean that particularly in like the post-computer era, because when you're producing on computers, it's really easy to just say like, you know, a a lot of people write this way. A lot of people just jump into something that automatically is going to be eight bars, eight bars, eight bars, eight bars. And it'll be like eight bar loops and stuff like that, which is good and fine. And like, you know, perfectly great stuff happens like that. And you don't want to not do that. But to a certain degree, you need the freedom to like on bar six and a half, grab your backpack with all of your best songwriting tools and jump off the bus and start wandering wherever the hell you want to go. And as long as your backpack is well packed with your songwriting skills, then you can just take a tangent and a detour and still keep the song secure and safe and if you end up counting the bars of that last section it'll end up being like nine and a half or something but it's because you go at a certain point you're acting like you're doing an eight bar phrase but then somewhere in the middle you just grab your securely full backpack of songwriting abilities and just get off the bus and just do it your own way and you're and you're safe and strong because you you know you have the tools to to do that and then you can play this game where time passes by and it's like and he does this better than anyone Maybe I can name some examples of places where he's done it, but it's this trick where like he's constantly playing with whether you think you're on bar three or bar four of the phrase, like just by using the chords in a certain way and like having the melody feels totally natural, but it's almost, there are certain songs that do this constantly all the way through. It's like at every given moment, it almost feels like you're superimposed between two worlds, one of which you're on bar three and the other of which you're on bar two. But it works the whole way through. And it's like, it. so that's that that's a really special thing. Um, so he's definitely a hero of, of, of that kind of stuff and he'll just do it over and over and over again. He's really, really good at doing that. It's, it's fantastic to know that there's sort of an infinite well of, of, of that. He's a, he, he really nicely proves, uh, to someone who's interested in this kind of thing. He very nicely proves over and over again that that fun game is always available and it's infinite and you can just keep doing it for your entire life. I hope I didn't explain that in too musically technical a way. Cause it's, it's really, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense because with Paul, I feel like well, well, first of all, I see a lot of what you just explained about Paul's work in your own work. Like, I, I mean, your songs Gosh. do that exact same thing very well because when listening to you, your songs take you down one road lyrically, melodically and structurally. And then it, it makes this left turn, and but you feel like you're on the same road, kind of, but it's like a different textured road. At least that's my interpretation of some of your songs. Same thing with Paul. Paul can take three 30-second songs and stitch them together into one song, make you feel like it's the same song, but at the same time, you get to the end and you wonder how you got there because the, the beginning of the song didn't start like that. Yeah. Is that the most inspirational aspect of Paul's songs to you? Actually, no. The stitching, no. I, I, I personally, uh, and I hope I don't, you know, offend anyone by saying this, but I'm more, I'm far and away more interested in the beginning to end writing. I don't actually find that stitching of pre-existing things uh, works too well. Um, that's just me. I don't, I don't find that to work too well. I'm more, very much about beginning to end, and you'll, you'll never really know what's going to work. Uh, at, at, at bar 10 until you've actually written the first 10 bars. Um, generally there is there. Yeah. So that's, and, 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 um, I don't know. That's usually, that's usually where I'm coming from. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a Paul song that does something like that. Like maybe I will. Yeah. I know that goes through a couple of changes. The one that comes to mind, I think is just like, Hey Jude, I feel like there's a lot of moments in that where like there'll be a bar that you think it's the first bar of the, of the new section but it ends up the second bar ends up being the new first bar and then the second bar feels like the first bar and the second bar at the same time and the third bar feels like the second bar and the third bar at the same time and so on another one that's really crazy with that is that acoustic recording of uh goodbye yes um i think it's a pretty wide widely circulated acoustic demo fantastic song yeah for a while it was like a rare bootleg and then in 2019, they actually released the demo as a part of the Abbey Road remix. Yeah, but I think it went been... around before that. I think it was, I heard that, uh, I've had a copy of it before that. I don't know where it came from. Oh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And go away. Goodbye, goodbye, my love, goodbye. Song. 
and it's been unreleased until recently. Right, I know, and that happens all the time. I mean, like in terms of like the massive list of Paul songs that are in my collection, I'm pretty sure most of them are kind of like not really on albums, and a huge percentage of them are the demos. I mean, Paul tends to do magical demos, seriously magical demos. Um, and yeah, a lot of them are unreleased, a lot of them are B-side. I have no idea, actually, which ones are on albums or not. I don't do albums. The albums don't, they just don't work for me. So, you know, single songs work for me. And so it's a lot of single songs. And yeah, it's a lot of, this is one called Lindiana. Have you ever heard of Lindiana? No, I haven't. Just came away. Totally unreleased. I think it's like a demo, but it's pretty sappy, but it's, it's lovely. It's wonderful. It's a love song for Linda, I'm sure, but uh, it's pretty special. And why does that one stand out to you? I don't know. Does anyone know? No one really knows, really, why songs work for them, you know? Yeah. I guess they just strike a chord with the unconscious in ways, you know? Which I think is really cool. And like you said before, it's hard to name favorites. It's impossible. Like, I could listen to a Paul McCartney song today and listen to it every day, and it just won't have the same effect next week, but then a month from now, I'll think it's the coolest song ever again. Have you seen Get Back? I have. What do you think of that? I had a great time. I had a very great, deep, thorough time watching that. Mm. It, was really, it was really a great uh, a great thing that they did by putting, putting that together. Yeah. And what were your thoughts when you first watched it? Many, 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 many thoughts. Many, many, many thoughts. Definitely, you know, it, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift to see, to see those guys, uh, you know, hanging out, rehearsing, working through things. And, you know, I mean, it's, I feel like, you know, musicians and music producers especially love to watch that stuff because it's, you know, in a lot of ways it's, you know, it's, it's just great. It, it, it's really, I mean, yeah, what, what can I say? Obviously it's, it's great to see them just goofing around and, and being serious and, you know, just doing what they do. And, uh, and, you know, by the, but it's like eight hours long. So you, you really do feel like you get to know them. I mean, it's really, it's really special. And after watching their creative process happen, are there any comparisons that you can make between their process and your own process? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've, uh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know what I can say. There's so, so many, so many, so many special things to, to see in that. And, you know, just the goofing around. And again, this is like what Paul said recently or a couple of years ago when it first came out or no, when it was first being made, was the reputation of that time period had sort of started to loom large in a negative way because I think there was another documentary before that used the same footage that was pretty much a downer. It's like about the breakup and now it was a real downer and it included all the bad stuff, you know. And Paul bought into that, you know. He was afraid that like it was just a bad thing and and then Peter Jackson came. I'm re- everyone already probably knows this. I don't know why. I'm, I'm retelling a Peter Jackson review. I'm retelling a Paul interview. I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, he was, he was expecting it to be bad because Peter Jackson got the footage and, you know, Peter had to tell him, no, look, I think you should check out some of this stuff. And, you know, Paul watched it and he was like, really, you know, pleased to see, to see that it's not all bad. It's like actually just, you know, a lot of, a lot of joy, a lot of, you know, goofing around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I empathize with Paul a lot because after their breakup, he was kind of cast as this villain in in the public eye by the media, you know, but he wasn't like he was brothers with these three guys in a very tight knit, closely monitored way. And there's obviously going to be creative tension when you work with the same people in the same way for 10 years. Um, And then after Let It Be came out, he was viewed as this creative dictator. Yeah. So it must have been great for him to see that after all those years, it's just not true. Just, just as like a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God I wasn't like that to my friends. Like, it was a relief for me to see that too. And, and to see the bond between John and Paul up close. I know. Oh, just, yeah. So much fun stuff. You know, the, the ventriloquist thing where they're like all the <laughs> yeah. funny accents and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So much stuff. I can't even, you know, I, I can't even think of all of it. There's so, so much stuff. There's one, there's one really special thing when he's working through Let It Be and he doesn't have all the words yet. This I have to give credit to Paul improvising 
I have to give credit to the camera operator in 1969 for getting the necessary footage to piece this together. And I have to give credit for the editors in 2000-something teen for catching it and putting it together. But he's improvising, and it's where the lyric would have gone, uh, there will be an answer, let it be. But instead, he glances over, and there's this tabloid magazine sitting on the table called The Record Mirror. And he goes, read the record mirror, let it be. And, and they, they superimpose, they put the shot of that. It's like they nailed it. He nailed it in the improv. The camera guy got it, and they nailed it in the edit in whenever they edited it. And it, that, so that's that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, man. It makes me so happy to talk about these moments, you know? Like, they are the heart of creativity. Just genius. And um, they mean it. They mean it, and they're genuine as hell. Like, there's never any moment where any of them was trying to get on, like, all right, well, what, what should we do? Like, what, what, are, what do people want to hear? What's, what, would, what would sell the best? There's like there's never a single fiber of any of them that is going for that. They are completely the real deal all the way through from beginning to end, which is somewhat unique. I mean, it seems like most people don't stay that real, like all the way through, you know, and I, I'm reminded of when of, I think there's a time near the beginning. I don't I think Paul said this. They tried doing uh, commercials and stuff like that briefly i think they did i don't know if it was coca-cola or something they, they, they did something for might have been coca-cola they did something and they they all just immediately ugh, like they immediately were like no no that's that's it's not right you know it's just it's i don't know and they, they're just they're just i mean yeah they are they are influencers not in not influenced you know so that's that's really yeah that's a really precious thing all of them all four of them all the way through you know I remember seeing a Paul interview where he was talking about like after the Beatles catalog was sold in the 80s. Yeah, they started showing up in jingles and it was uh, Yeah, and he was pretty upset about that. Pretty uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you I mean that's I mean that's the thing. You're young and you sign the contract, you know, and that's what happened. From what I understand, that's pretty much why that happened. It's just to it got, you know, kicked down the road and Ultimately, the reason for that is because, yeah, you sign a record deal in the beginning and then it changes hands and da, 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 and then Michael Jackson and then so on. Yeah. And to loop back in what you were talking about before, um, you know, the difference between a song coming to you out of nowhere and one you worked on for a while. Something that stood out to me in the Get Back documentary was when they were working on the actual song Get Back. But obviously, obviously. Yeah, that's incredible. They really did what's really cool is they it's i mean it, it's fitting that that title of the thing because they really did stick with the entire process all the way through you see i think in that documentary you see every single part of the entire process from writing to rehearsing to production to like every take including the final take of the song is is there with with video yeah you get and by the time like watching that documentary like that song will be like you'll be sick of that song it's like there's so much of that song in that documentary, but um, yeah, obviously the writing moment is super special that they caught that on camera when he's just riffing it. And that first time you hear, uh, what was it? The, the, he's like just goofing around with that little tiny bit. Then it's the first time he ends up making the turn to that other chord. When the first time he brings it back around, and like that's when you know that it's that he's got it. You know, it's always fascinating to see, especially because you know it's it's obviously a super famous song. So it's like, yeah, it's pure gold that they got that on camera. Yeah. You know, that moment specifically, it was like, it was like watching a biopic of the Beatles, but it like, wasn't, it was just, it was pure insanity. You know, I was rooting for them the whole time. Like, come on, you got it. That's the next verse. You know, especially because, you know, they, they got really good tricks now to clean up the footage and all that stuff to isolate the stuff. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of noise, garbage on those recordings in fact they did it on purpose i'm sure you know all this i'm not telling you anything you don't already know but they deliberately they got so uncomfortable with the cameras which is ironic because they wanted the documentary to be made but at a certain point they got uncomfortable with the cameras so they started deliberately turning up their amps and stuff and just playing bullshit where they were trying to talk about serious stuff but they took it all out in the edit because now they have like ai and stuff to like completely take out what they want so that's that's why we can hear it now that you couldn't you couldn't hear it in the last version of the documentary like on the let it be documentary oh i didn't know that oh you didn't know that the um 
I think I've probably watched all the interviews about it, Peter Jackson and all that stuff. But that, I mean, especially the real, the real magic moment of that is the conversation they have in the cafeteria. When Paul and John go down and, and they, they sit in the cafeteria and they're saying, like, are we going to lose George? Like, what did we do? Did, and they're seriously thinking, like, is the band breaking up? Did we lose George? You know, after, you know, after George walks out. And that conversation was completely inaudible before. Like, that was, nobody knew what they said in that conversation until the technology came along to get rid of all the restaurant noise and stuff like that. So, pretty wild. Yeah. And, and what did you think of John and Paul kind of not paying any attention to George during those sessions? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's understandable. You know, that's what happens when you, um, that's, that's the challenge of, of being in a group. That's always the challenge of being in a group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about forming a group or do you prefer solo work? I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, especially nowadays, there's sort of, sort of not the right time to do that. It's a very, very special thing, and I'm very aware of that. And it would be great to do it, but for some reason, there's always a million things that stand in the way. So, if I lived in a different time, yes, definitely. I mean, like I said, you know, you you, you do whatever makes sense for your time period. If it were 100 years ago, I'd be doing something involving a stage. You know, I'd be on the stage. I'd be playing with other people. I'd probably put together a, you know, yeah, I put something together. Or maybe I'd be writing. Maybe you know, I'd be. Who knows? Maybe it'd be writing musicals, directing musicals. I don't know. It's a lot of different things, but yeah, you sort of, you sort of do what you can. I'm not really sure. So really, no matter what time period you were born into, you would feel like you'd have to do something creative. Of course. I'd be doing something that definitely fulfills the same, same sorts of stuff. You know, you'd have music. There's certainly, there's, there'd certainly be a lot more actual instrument playing. That's for sure. Cause that was pretty much the way you obviously, you know, I mean, there'd be more drumming. I mean, there'd be more, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, um, yeah, band stuff. And, um, yeah. Okay. So let's say you did go back in time and you found yourself at like Abbey Road Studios during a Beatles recording session and you were able to participate during the session. Which Beatles song do you feel like you could best express yourself on sonically? Don't, I don't think that, uh, I, 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 I don't know how to deal with that question i just don't yeah it's not up to me to choose whichever one is on the agenda for the day we'll work on it but of course i don't know how why i'm there i mean my probably my most comfortable instrument is drums but you know that's ringo's job so i'm not trying to replace anybody so you know now are there any ringo star songs that stand out to you like where his drumming is really eye-opening or anything like that uh i don't know i mean he does a damn good job yeah you know, he, speaking of special Ringo, there's a really magical Ringo moment in the in the documentary that actually has nothing to do with Trump. He gets behind the camera, like they're just hanging out and goofing around. But he gets behind the camera and he grabs the zoom lever or something. It's like a mechanical lever that zooms in and out, and he just starts all the way in, all the way out, like extremely quickly. Just and you get to see the results, like of what it looks like through the camera. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's really cool to see them experimenting with all the new technology that was out at that time. Like, I think even at one point they were like a new small instrument gets brought into the studio and they all get to play with it. It was like an electronic uh, buzzer or something like that. Um, now, do you feel that same way when recording all of your songs on your computer? Like with the way technology is always, always, always changing right now. Do you accept all the new software with open arms? I certainly don't have any, have anything against anything. I tend to be so kind of difficult. It's, it takes me a long time to sort of get all my ducks in a row. So I tend to be pretty slow to get up the courage to like really change big things. And the one time, the major significant time that I had to, just because the sands of time were moving forward, I had to make, make a change and I ended up changing just about everything. Uh, really overturning everything about what I did, really updating everything. It took like a year and a half for me to even get to the point where I could put, start putting things out again. It's brutal. It is brutal. I don't do well when like the ground is moving under me, even though I know I have to update. I'm certainly not against anything. And I'm probably going to have to do that. Um, I'm definitely going to have to do that again, like right about now, because, you know, technology is about to explode, uh, in my opinion. So <clears throat> there's definitely going to be a lot of new things that I'm looking at. 
So I'm certainly not afraid of it, but I tend to just try to hunker down right where I'm at and get better and better and better at using things exactly the way I have them. And then when I have the courage, I take on the massive endeavor of sort of updating kind of as best I can all at once. And that typically takes a long time. So it's a long time staying still and then long time updating and then so on. You know, I would never be able to tell that about you just by listening to your work, especially throughout the years. Like, it seems like you've been able to adapt mm-hmm. so well. Like, I would have no idea. If you were waiting for, if you were waiting for the next release in, in, in the later part of 2019 and through 2020, you would have noticed it because not a damn thing came out. And then when and, I came back, the videos were entirely done in 3D. So that, that maybe would be where you would have first notice it. And, but the music would have been the same. And then I ended up making the musical transition later, which probably wouldn't have been as, uh, perhaps wouldn't have been as obvious. But there's definitely more transitions coming up right around the corner for sure. And that's just another similarity that I see between you and the Beatles. Like, you know, when the Beatles just finished recording Revolver, they purposely didn't release anything for quite some time after. And they just focused on what they could do in the studio, learning all the new technology and trying to find out what they could do. And when that work was released, it it seems like they were doing that kind of stuff forever. And I think the same exact thing about your work too. It seems like a lot of it just comes natural to you. I guess my question is like, does it, does the whole creative process come naturally to you? A lot. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it does. And you know, a lot of it does, but then, you know, a big part of it is like a lot of agony because I'm very, very, um, I, I really, really am not comfortable doing anything that I don't feel like is super, super awesome. Except unfortunately, it never, you know, unfortunately, the finished product is always, I mean, depending on my mood when I listen to it, but like, I can never really get there. I mean, just about everything I put out, it, it, you, I can never, it, it's never, yeah, it, it's never, never as good as I want it to be. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really agonizing because I'm very uh, obsessed with um, pursuing excellence in whatever way that might be. And it really, it really kind of destroys me. Um, and the pressure is insane. The pressure that, you know, I mean, I guess I'm putting myself under the pressure, but I certainly don't intend to, but that's, that's what, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty insane. I tend to destroy myself pretty readily. So for anyone listening who might be a songwriter or a creative who's experiencing those same kind of feelings right now, do you feel like that's just a feeling that goes hand in hand with, dedicating your life to that kind of creativity? It's common. It's common. Uh, some people are in different places on that spectrum. I know a lot of people are on the, you know, in, 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 in that sort of anxiety realm and self-doubt realm. And, oh, sure, tons and tons and tons of people. I mean, mm. I, run a, I run a Q&A on my website. It's been going on for years and years, and I hear that stuff all the time. And I, I advise every single one of them to the best of my ability trying to just tell them that it's okay and tell them, remind them how many of their favorite artists probably go through the same thing. So there is that side of things, but then there's a, a lot of people are a lot more carefree and talking about Paul McCartney in, in, in a lot of ways, Paul is a lot more happy, I think. Uh, and he's, a, he, he definitely seems to in many ways be a little bit less, quite a bit less, uh, have a bit less anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I do know that he has his I do know that he has his fair share of of worries and doubts. So he definitely is somewhere in the middle, but he's definitely not as far toward the like freak out end of the spectrum as me. But but yeah, he's definitely he has his ways of being much more carefree. He's talked about deleting stuff. Like I I never delete anything. Yeah, I don't know. In in many ways he's more he's more carefree. But I also know that he also can be uh pretty uh nervous about stuff at the same time you know i don't know if i remember him saying anything about deleting anything but that sounds really interesting maybe that's in the context of working with four tracks you have to delete stuff on the four tracks can you imagine working that's another case of like things being so much easier like you don't what are you gonna do sergeant peppers on four tracks right yeah that's four tracks what are you gonna do you know you record on two tracks and then you mix it down and that's it you can't separate it anymore and then you use the next 
track or two and then you mix the glue it together and then you can't separate it and then if you screw up and it doesn't if, if things go wrong you gotta just erase it and start again anyway that's that's the old days that's insane you know this topic is so interesting to me like you know because you know like when the beatles broke up like you said before when paul moved to scotland he's talked about that part of his life where it was just like misery pure he, misery exactly i've heard some interesting stories from him, I think from interviews, you know, with him that I find fascinating, but it, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you're in the biggest band ever and then it's over. So, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, I, I, I recall him telling a story that, you know, about like being face down in, in, in the bed with his face on the pillow, like hoping that he would secretly hoping that he would suffocate. Um, and basically giving Linda the credit, you know, but Paul was saying that like Linda really saved his ass by, telling them it's cool and it's good and you got to just keep making music and makes, makes me want to cry. Also when I think about that stuff, but, me too. And, and, and that's what happened. They put one foot in front of the other and, uh, you know, started up, started from the beginning again. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's serious to, to think about, you know, what that must be like to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, personally, I've always looked to that, as a huge inspirational story for me too. Not even just creatively, just like you could be at the top of the world one day and then the next day you're knocked down all the way at the bottom and it's like right there you you have this choice and that's when Paul decided to start Wings from the ground up. They really did, you know, they really did start from the from the ground. I mean, you know, like going around and doing those secret college shows and stuff like that, you know. Like, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Have you ever thought about doing like a secret college show or anything like that? That certainly is the way that I would want to do it. If I were, I mean, I, I really wish I could get into doing touring and stuff, but there's so many things are so weird now in multiple ways. It seems like there's so much going against that now. Like so many things standing in the way of doing that more than ever before. First, I'm just a chicken, scared chicken to do it. Um, but there's like even more ways, there's even more reasons why, like, I'm scared to do it. But if I did, it would, I would want to do it like really stealth. Like I, you know, cause like you can't, yeah, that, that would certainly be the approach that I would try to take, but I don't, I don't know if that's possible right now. Yeah, it is really hard right now, especially in light of that whole Ticketmaster fiasco with Taylor Swift the other month as well. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to do anything that big i want to do and you know i also you know i yeah i would rather play in a place that's uh much smaller a general rule of thumb and i don't know if i'm wrong for saying this but i always think i'd, I'd much rather play in a place that's small enough that you don't have to mic the drums because as soon as you start having to mic the drums then everything gets disoriented and it's just it's sort of it's got to be impossible to really get a handle on the balance and stuff like that once you're working with monitors and all this stuff it's just everything's so confusing and Musicians are very naturally able to balance themselves when they're just playing with each other in a room acoustically. But once you get to a certain size venue, I feel like it's as soon as you start micing the drums, basically, then everything gets, no one knows really what the balance is. You really have to just trust the, the guy in the booth. And, you know, it's impossible to know. It's incredible to hear you describe all of this because, you know, you're thinking in advance and you're thinking about all aspects of how it will work sonically. And it's really cool because it shows how much you care about this craft. Right. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm actually pretty obsessive about stuff and I don't even, it, I don't even realize it. And then I, sometimes I, sometimes I realize it, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think that's how the best art is made at the same time though. Like, I don't know if you can make great art and not be obsessive. It does tend to destroy people because there's a certain condition where, like, if it really, really, really matters to you that it's good, then that's it's going to destroy you. It's the same ingredient that's going to, like, drive you to make it good. So I guess it'll probably, at some point or another, turn out pretty good, but there'll be a lot of pain because there's no way to shut that off. There's, there's no ceiling for that desire to be good. So it very easily spirals into just massive amounts of paranoia, self-doubt. Yeah. I think it was Voltaire or one of the classic philosophers that said that perfect is the enemy of the good. 
Of course. I mean, it's not that I don't know that. It's just that you still can't escape like the, the, yeah, the, the, the freak out. I experienced the exact same thing when even doing this podcast, like take after take, it, it's never good enough or it's never perfect. And even John Lennon experienced that too. He would purposely drown his vocals with the instrumentation of the song. Earlier, we touched on the influence that Paul McCartney had on your songwriting. If you found yourself in a room with Paul McCartney for an hour, what do you think you would ask him? Well, I don't know. I, I don't really have any business being, you know, hanging out with him unless unless there was a chance that he already had heard my music and had any interest in it. Then it would be a little bit more comfortable. But if in the case of that is not the case, I have, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to waste his time. It would be great if. If. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, he's heard so many different questions in his life. It's hard to ask him, you know, anything unique. I, I have a list of a few questions I want to ask him that are in my phone. And one of them is like, why do you laugh during the song Maxwell Silver Hammer? And why did you keep that laugh in the song? I mean, I know why they kept it in. I mean, genuine laughs are just great. Why would you want to? There's a recording of what is it? There's one of those police songs, like a sort of reggae piano upbeat kind of thing. I think I can't remember. Maybe it's "Message in a Bottle." I'm not really sure. Um, somebody acts. I think it's actually Sting. He accidentally sits on the piano. He kind of backs up and he ends up sitting on the piano, and it goes like presses a bunch of key, and, and he laughs. Someone laughs, and you leave it in. Yeah, those are those are the magic moments that those are the magic moments that you stifle when you do a million takes and you get all hung up about things not going well. So definitely, if something if something funny happens, obviously, definitely leave that in. That's what I would think. Hmm. So, Bill, why do you think the Beatles are still so popular today? Is it because of all the laughs that they brought to people? Because um, they're like really good, really good, and like like I said, it's like they're they're like they're like the shining example of like you know good and also popular. Also, it's it's super important that they um, that the fact that they did their thing in Germany before before they ever you know that's a big deal that they really prioritized like just going on tour and just getting really good at doing what they're doing without trying to you know and that whole thing where they refused to go to the to the United States until they had a number one record. Um, I think that was probably a good move. Yeah, the discipline, regimented schedules, and practice really yeah i mean practice being in front of a crowd I and mean, stage time is just the best thing you can do for for yourself you know they really just put in the hours and just by the time they got back you know to, to the uk they really they really they really had it together and they knew how to work a crowd mm. pretty instinctively so and if you were helpful. to attend one of those concerts like in hamburg or po or, or pre-us concerts which part of their show do you think you'd be paying attention to the most like the way their guitar sounds or um their dynamics on stage or how they interact with the audience it's all i, I don't know how to separate into parts you know but i i tend to be i tend to be i don't know perhaps there's something wrong with me i tend to be uncomfortable at concerts when i'm in the uh uh audience i i tend to be prefer to be on stage problem that i have i get kind of uncomfortable yeah i think maybe that is a problem that i should address with psychotherapy or something but yeah i don't i don't tend to no that's not i no, i actually feel really good to be in, in, in shows but it's always from i'm always um sort of studying it mm. those yeah i'm yeah. not i'm not i'm not I, I i i can't remember if we mentioned this on the on the on the thing yeah i i am so out of practice doing doing uh these kinds of things here talking and, and, and being on things so it's uh yeah i'm really just hanging on for dear life in terms of trying to, trying to uh keep it together here well to be honest with you bill this is one of the best conversations i've actually had since i've started this podcast a year ago i mean you speak from your heart and just you talking about your appreciation of art and creativity like it, i know that it's coming from you directly and it's not being filtered 
through any kind of lens of trying to sound different than how you actually feel and what you actually think. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a blessing and a curse, but for better or for worse, I don't, I don't, I don't seem to have the, um, I don't seem to have those filters, which is sometimes good, but it sometimes makes things tricky. But, uh, yeah. Well, in this case, it's made for one of the best episodes I've had so far. Oh, nice. Um, That's good so, to hear. Well, thank you for that. I wish I had more experience that, you know, cause some, some guys can just, you know, some people can just come onto the show and just light up the whole room. And I know that, I know that almost anyone can get like that. Cause I've watched people go from zero to everything and it's, it's all just experience. You know, the more shows you do, it just gets better and better. And unfortunately I've been living most of my life for the past few years as my own producer, my own editor. I've never done anything live, you know, for the last several years. So I'm really weak. My, 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 my live muscle in terms of what I can do on a lot, you know, just in real time. I mean, this show isn't even live. I'm doing another one later this week that is live, so I'm going to be losing my, my brains out my ears on that one. But you got to start somewhere because I'm really jealous. I wish I was doing this kind of stuff, you know. Um, anyway. Well, hey, you're in the exact same position the Beatles were in during the Get Back documentary, you know? Haven't done a live thing in three years. That's right. Let's go on the roof. Let's play for the entire city of London right now. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Did you so realize I, how many of those takes on the album actually are the roof? Hmm. And you know what I'm talking about, right? On the on the record, on I guess I guess the Let It Be record, like now nine oh nine, one after nine oh nine, the album version. Yeah, that's the roof. That's, that's crazy, man. That's insane. I know it's pretty cool. And dude, they were so nervous too. Like, you know, Paul looks back at one point and and sees the police coming, and he laughs like the nervous laugh. I know. But hey, honestly, I cannot tell that you say that you need to get more comfortable in these speaking scenarios because I felt that you were one of the most comfortable guests I've had on so far. But again, I think that just comes from speaking directly from your heart and speaking about the things you love. I think. Yeah, yeah. So Bill, what are you up to now? Are you involved in any projects at the moment? Doing the doing the doing the stuff, doing the thing. I had a I had one of those you know breakneck schedules, and then and then it started to slip, and now I have a. I have a scheme by which I've convinced myself that I'm still on the schedule. Uh, so that's a bit complicated, but it's, uh, it's going to happen. I'm doing a lot of stuff with graphics and a lot of stuff. With, uh, there's going to have to be some technological um, upgrades again because the world of technology is, I think, about to skyrocket into infinity in a matter of, uh, I don't know, weeks, years. I don't know what we're looking at. But at some point, I'm going to have to take a couple seconds just to see how I can better integrate myself into the madness of the technological world of tomorrow one way or another and i I have some pretty good ideas for how that might be able to happen but uh i'm just going to try to not go down as big a rabbit hole as i did in in 2019 2020 it took a couple of years before i was even able to go so that won't happen i'm like in the middle of producing a video that's not even that long but whatever i mean i gotta get that done and and i got i got i gotta start my own uh talk show for sure i mean that's that's what i want to be a host of the show i want to be doing what you're doing that's that's what i've wanted this whole time but i can never seem to get up the courage to do it so i'm not going to do it i'm not ready to do it but i wish i was ready to do it and the desire is destroying me so i'm, I'm gonna i gotta figure out a way to do that interesting do you have the liberty to share what it would be about or do you not know yet i don't know but it, it, it that's that's almost less important I, I mean i don't know i don't know i don't know the important thing is i want to be talking because you know I uh, I have a lot to, to say and I love talking with people. So, you know, and I'm just, you know, um, I don't know. It's sort of a secret desire that I've had for a long, long time and didn't even admit it to myself. But uh, yeah, I, I, a secret part of me wants to, wants to be a talk show host. Man, well, I'm so excited to hear everything that's going to come our way from you in the next weeks, months, or... Believe me, it's not going to happen because I'm too scared, but um, but I wish it could happen, and so therefore it, it, it might. Well, I am excited nonetheless, and if you ever want to come back on this show to discuss like other aspects of the Beatles universe, you are... That could be cool, yeah. Let, let me know. I feel like there's. I feel like I was going to try to get to Magical Mystery Tour because I had a pretty special time with that um, last year, but yeah, we'll save oh, that yeah. for next time, I guess. Dude, Magical Mystery Tour is so great. It's one of the most underrated projects ever. I want to know who was the bonehead that let that come out in black and white. Anyway, I don't want to yeah. start a rant. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. There's a scene in that that's based on color. 
there's a scene in that where the main attraction of the song is that this whole screen is shifting through the color spectrum and they let the damn thing come out on TV in black and white. And then they wonder why the thing didn't work. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting agitated now. Well, Bill, this is usually the part of the show where I ask where people can find your work, but you're pretty ubiquitous on the internet. So hopefully the impersonators aren't doing better than, better than me. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I appreciate it so much, and I'm so excited for this episode's release and for every song you're going to come out with in the future as well. Yeah, thank, definitely. Thanks for thanks for having me. Junctures from Liverpool, England. People all over the world are just beginning to talk about the Beatles. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. <laughs> And that concludes our fascinating conversation with Bill Wirtz. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast as much as I've enjoyed making it. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us at Beatles Earth on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And stay tuned for new guests every week and more thought-provoking conversations. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.